Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free book when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth. Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast continues to gain recognition as a great resource for small business owners, entrepreneurs, sales professionals, uh, business leaders of all kinds. Uh, And that is really because of the guests who join me. Uh, These are folks who have expertise in particular areas of business success. And they share that expertise with all of you through a conversation uh, so that you can grab what you need and put it into your business and do better things, be more successful and happier. That is our goal. Today is no different. Today my guest is Steve Koch. Steve knew what he wanted to do at an early age. That was to talk about the weather. He became a TV weatherman at age 15. Ten years later, he was forecasting for ABC in Los Angeles and then daily reports on CNN. Now off the air, Steve guides CEOs, executives, and entrepreneurs to look and sound their best in presentations, in a speech, or while giving the media an interview. Thanks so much for joining me today, Steve. Uh, My pleasure. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Well, me too. I I think this is, you know, we're we're talking about speaking successfully, and one, one of the things that I find interesting is that with the different ways that we can be doing public speaking, they potentially have different uh, requirements and different uh, maybe tactics. So, and I know we're going to be getting into some of that and talking about it. And I, I think that's going to be an interesting viewpoint for mm-hmm. for folks who think speaking is speaking. 
Correct. Yeah. Speaking is not necessarily speaking. It's, uh, it, it's the finer nuances of how you speak to a group. You know, each audience that you speak to is different. Uh, on a podcast, um, the, the listener only has one sense to really see if they really like this person or not. And that is the sense of hearing. On television, you've got the added benefit of the visual element there. So it makes it a little easier, but you're still not using the other three or four senses. So it is a bit of a challenge, but once you know how to approach each of the different medias, it becomes a lot easier. That's terrific. And, and so there are basics of public speaking, but then there are like intangibles. The, the, I think what you call the it factor techniques. Can you talk about what some of those are? Sure. Yeah, we um, at Media Training Network, we specialize in executive presence and influence. And not necessarily we're a speech company or a presentation company, although we are that too. But I think our, our secret sauce is the ability to be that it factor, to pull the it factor out of these individuals. And um, a lot of people can say, even executives that we that come to us for a, maybe an important presentation, they want to get polished up for that. Um, they'll say, well, you know, I've had so much experience. I, I went to business school. I took public speaking courses and so forth. But, you know, it's been a while. I need to get the rust polished off. And, and uh, that may be fine, but you really can't wing it when you're on the high level stages uh, that most of these CEOs and executives that I coach deal with. I mean, it could be the difference in millions of dollars in a presentation, whether they get that or not, or if they sign up a new client, or if their message is put out poorly to the media, it can have devastating results. So there is the finer aspects of what I call the it factor, and we can certainly get into that if you'd like. Yeah, I would, I would really love to, because I, I love the way you said executive presence and influence because that feels so different and, and more commanding, I think, that, and, and more, um, there's so many words that come to my mind, confident, controlled, yes. <clears throat> excuse me, um, foundational, that, that feel very different from when I think of public speaking. Correct, correct. And that's, that's where we get into the weeds. That's where, that's our special sauce is the ability to pull out um, uh, you know, polish up the, the presentation skills itself, certainly, and starting, you know, it's got to start with the message. The message is the most important. Uh, and many executives get bogged down with, they'll come up with the summation of maybe, you know, 15 minutes worth of this is what we want to accomplish. Then I say, pare it down, pare it down, give me 30 seconds of what you really want to accomplish in this message. And then from that, then we get into knowing your audience. Who's the audience you're going to be speaking to? Is it business executives and business experts like it is on, on your show? Or is it uh, going to be on television and it's a wider audience? So those are the things. So we, we break down the being prepared, so to speak. And then we come up with the messaging. How do we want to get this across in the best way? What are some of the words that the audience knows? Because you certainly don't want to use business jargon if they don't know what that means. You want to be able to speak their language. So that's just to get started. But then, as you mentioned, Diane, about the, uh, the subtle factors, the uh, posturing, the, the, you know, how you, your presence, your confidence that you exude. Um, and that comes across in many different ways, how you hold yourself or how you even walk into a room, the eye contact that you have with someone. 
Uh, do you give them a firm handshake and be engaging? Are you leaning forward or are you kind of standoffish a bit? So these are some of the things that they don't even know the executives that I coach. They don't realize it because they, number one, never see themselves. And number two, they think they've got it all. They're, hey, they're the CEO of this company. But that's where I can come in and say, try this, try this. You'll look better doing this. And then once I put them on camera and play it back, then they begin to see what I'm talking about. And it really does make a difference. That's the biggest transformation that I see with my clients is once I play the video back, oh my gosh, they've never seen themselves before like this. And they can certainly see. And that's where they, they have that change very quickly. Oh, I would think so. Sure. Because once you can actually see yourself in action, then you can see what uh, someone else is telling you about yes. how you're showing up. Right, right. And it's, it's, it's really, it's, it, I mean, it's, to me, it's the most refreshing and fun part of the whole process because I, I can see that my work has been done. I can see that they recognize that and they would have never seen that before. And it's like a light bulb turns on and they're smiling and they're happy when they leave. Yeah, 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 I'll bet. Now, did the techniques change uh, between, say, doing a presentation on stage to doing a TV interview? It, it does, but it all rev revolves initially around um, everything that we teach. And uh, even though this is a podcast, it just utilizes one sense, the sense of hearing. I am actually standing up in front of a microphone. And the reason for that, number one, I tell my clients, is that it projects your, your, your voice is more projected and you have much more energy. I can use more hand language here. My, I'm not sitting down and my belly is not you know, crunched up. It's uh, fully extended so I can speak clearly. So podcasts, uh, in this regard, you would, you would have that energy level. But you also, it's how you use the wording, the phrasing, the pacing, the tonality of my voice. Is my, am I monotone? Do I speak like this all the time? It becomes pretty obvious and before long your listeners are turning it off. But if I'm adding a lot of vocal variety to my voice without sounding like a clown, then I engage, I keep engaging. So that's for podcasts. Television, you've got the visual element. So it's much more important for you to be engaged. And how do you do that? You lean slightly forward. You're having a conversation with the, the reporter, the host, whoever it might be and your eye contact is just on that person. So it's like you're giving them everything you possibly have got. You use some body language, you use some hand gestures every once in a while, just to add that little variety. You don't wanna be a robot, you don't wanna have your eyes fixed so you look like you're scared mm -hmm. to death, uh, but th <laughs> it's those subtle things, but it's, 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 all, it's about everything. It's mannerisms, it's your voice, tonality, the, the whole kit and caboodle. That can feel, <clears throat> I could imagine, I should say, that that could feel a little intimidating if someone's feeling like they have to pay attention to so many things. Let, you know, let's use the example of doing a TV interview. There's a lot going on there. There's a lot of sensory uh, input or export. Mm -hmm. And so, it, so... Talk to me some about how someone gets comfortable with like, naturally 
or feeling natural, feeling comfortable in that sort of an environment where they're not sitting there in their head thinking about, am I leaning forward? Am I smiling? Am I making mm-hmm. eye contact? Mm-hmm. Am I, am mm-hmm. I, am I? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not, we're not a one-stop shop, meaning, you know, one, one session and you're done. Obviously it, it takes some work. It, you have to be able to overcome those little uh, nuances that you've had all your habits that you've uh, enjoyed for most of your life. Uh, and yeah. we try to minimize those. We're not trying to change you into, uh, you know, an, an anchor, a news anchor by any means. We just want you to feel comfortable and confident and just really be able to communicate effectively once you're on camera. So um, how we do that is repetition. And that's the big thing. We don't do a lot of theory. We give them some theory, some background information, but for the most part, it's role playing. We go through it many, many, many times and they can see the subtle changes. And then all of a sudden it becomes a habit. They, they learn to sit on their, 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 pull their coat in the back and then sit on that. So their, their coat, their clothing looks uh, crisp once it's on camera. Sit slightly forward in the chair, so you're you're um, you're you're not too far back and and seeming distracted. So there's a lot of little things that we do, but that's it's all a part of the process. And um, you know these CEOs that come to us, they're confident. They they've made it to this point in their life, and now it's just fine tuning it. We're again not trying to create a Frankenstein here. We're just trying yeah, to guide right. them in the right direction, on the right path. Right. Right. So it's giving them some of those. It, it, it's polishing, it, it feels like. Exactly. Exactly. I, I give the analogy all the time of uh, a Michael Jordan or a Tiger Woods, the best mm-hmm. at the best in their sport, yet they all have coaches. Why is that? Because it's an outsider that can come along and say, ah, everything's good. Try this. Try this. And it makes them just right. that little bit better. And that could be the difference in winning a game or a championship. So yeah. that's, that's what we do. You know, and another, another part of this is active listening. You know, it's just not listening. I'm not just listening to your questions. I'm listening to your intent. Where, where are you going with this? What do your audience really want to get out of this? So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm actively listening. That means picking up on, on words and pacing that you've used, you know, some of the cadence in your voice. All of those things, I try to mirror and come alongside you and give you that information. So, you know, the end result of being a great communicator or a great communication, a conversation, is that both parties or all parties, you feel satisfied and good that, you know, everything was communicated effectively. It's a, it's a win, win, win situation. So when you get to that point, I think that's, that's our goal is to help everybody be comfortable, confident and convincing. Right. Right. Convincing. Yeah. Okay. So, so that feels to me like that's the reason why it is important that we actually pay attention to this and get coaching and make sure that we're um, utilizing the tactics that will put us in the best possible light. Will you talk some about the potential negative consequences of of not doing this, of winging it, of thinking, yeah, I'm pretty good. I, I, can, I can skate through this. Sure. Um, and that is the danger, like I said, and that's, I, I do have that resistance. Um, uh, with CEOs, sometimes the executive secretary will say, well, don't ask them about this or don't do this. Uh, you know, that's, a, that's a sore subject or you know, this or that. And um, 
you know, I, I just kind of ignore that because when I sit down in the room, I'll, I'll, I'll set the ground rules and I'll say, listen, you're paying me some good money. I'm going to be honest and obje objective. My goal is to help you be the best you can. So if, yeah. if you don't like me, then that's fine. But my role here is not for you to like me. My job is to make sure you perform at a high level. And it's amazing. Exactly. It's amazing how they respond to that. They, they, they really appreciate that. And they said, no, go for it. We, we want you to be cruel. Uh, <laughs> and, and I'm not cruel. I'm not cruel. I approach it. I, I, I approach it very nicely, but I help to convince them that I'm right and that they need to change this area. So um, yeah. yeah, it's a give and a take situation, but, but really, I mean, that's, it's the finer points that can really make the difference in that. So in answer to your question, what are some of the things that can stumble them up? Well, they obviously, maybe they don't uh, have that sales pitch that they should have. They didn't get a, get a sell from that. Um, or they didn't convince the audience or the media, you know, their point of view. Um, and, and that's the problem with speech anxiety, especially when you get into a new medium. Uh, let's say you've never been on camera before. You've never seen the lights and the camera or even be in a studio, which was the case for one of my clients in the financial services industry. He uh, got invited to CNBC to be on a, a money program, to be an expert guest. And he was given four minutes and he was brought back for another four minutes. So that's eight minutes of, of free publicity for his firm. But it took about six weeks to get him ready for that. And now he's wow. uh, go, going to go on again and he wants to come back for a tune-up. So he, he is getting, he had, the, he had the, the groundwork. He knows his subject matter better than I do. And then I just help him to communicate it more effectively, how to look good. And, and that's what people want. They want to be comfortable and confident and convincing as we, we've always said. And that's important no matter what we do. Uh, what's, what's the end result of this podcast? What's the end result of a speech? We wanna give some kind of call to action to motivate them, to inspire them, to go for more information somewhere else. Whatever it might be, we all have a goal uh, to accomplish and we wanna make sure that we accomplish that goal. Even if it's only you know two minutes on television, what do we really wanna get across? What how do we want to be perceived? And then how can we best serve the audience given those parameters? Okay. And, and you said something earlier that got me thinking about if we aren't comfortable with the medium, it can actually, this is me speaking, not, not you, but when you said it, it made me think of this we can actually come across as not confident in what we're saying, even though we could be completely confident in what we're saying. But if we, and that feels like one, like a real danger, that if we come across as not confident in what we're saying, we're not building trust with our audience. So it doesn't really matter what we're offering them. They're not really hearing it because in yes. truth, we're yes. just uncomfortable being in front of the camera and the lights, but that's not how they're interpreting it. Correct. And, and that's one of the it factors as well as being able to uh, express your nonverbal communication skills, which some people say that's up to 75% of how an audience perceives somebody. And the, the verbal part is only the 25%. So for instance, uh, if a company spokesperson is saying something like, uh, 
Our company is fully transparent and we're dedicated to serve our employees and our customers. And we always want to put them first. Okay. So that's the message point. But if that person is delivering that message with their arms crossed or leaning backwards, or they have a stare, there's a, a disconnect right there on what's being said and what's being you know, shown with that nonverbal communication. And unfortunately that happens quite a bit uh, in, in public speaking or in on, on, on camera as well. Uh, Richard Nixon was one of the first examples of this during his uh, political debate uh, in 1960 uh, during the presidential uh, run election period there with John F. Kennedy and uh, Richard Nixon, their debate. He did not want to wear makeup uh, and John F. Kennedy did. John F. Kennedy, a little younger to start with, but he looked great on television. And uh, Richard Nixon was sweating profusely and he just looked like a crook. Uh, and maybe that, maybe that, Funny, maybe, was, maybe one, that was, right? yeah, maybe that was the case years later it came out, but um, no, it, it uh, his body language and, and yeah. how he looked and perceived was totally different. So there was a disconnect there. So those yeah. are again, the, the benefits of, of, the, of that, but um and it's just, how do you get comfortable? You just do it. Uh, you, you just yeah. practice. And I, I always tell people, how, how did I get started at 15 years old? I didn't know anything yeah. about TV weather. I just stood in front of my mirror, my wardrobe mirror, the, the closet there. And I watched myself as I made motions to the map. I, I saw if I was smiling or if I had a nervous tick or something that I worked to get rid of that. So that's what I did. And now Nowadays, people can videotape themselves with this, their, their smartphone and play that back. The, the problem is that's great to eliminate a lot of problems, but again, it's the finer points that they're not aware of. They're used to, uh, you know, brushing their nose or brushing their hair out of the way all the time. They don't see it as a habit or a problem. Uh, but I do, as, an, as a professional, I can say, you know, that's great but it's distracting from your message and anything that distracts gets in the way and that's not good. So that's, that's what I help to fine tune. I think that's a great point. I, I completely agree with you. I don't think people realize that all the things that they do because it's unconscious. It's just, they're so used to doing those things. I, I catch myself, unfortunately, it, in times, usually when I'm in front of an audience, uh, getting ready to do something that I should, I don't know whether it would matter or not, but it, it might, it could be distracting. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. And use, use of words is a big thing. That's, that's another uh, big point there. Yeah. Uh, the words that we use, I call them filler words and, and it's, uh, uh um, uh, you know, uh, things like that, you know, just like little pregnant pauses, so to speak, where it's like, uh, give me a second to think about that. Uh, and then they go <laughs> on. Um, I remember back, back when I was growing up in the sixties and the seventies, we used terms such as far out groovy and out of sight. Yeah. Uh, and, and nowadays, uh, some of the younger people I hear saying things like, I know, right. Uh, another one, <laughs> everything is like, I woke up this morning yes. and, and, and like it was dark and like <laughs> I had my breakfast in a hurry and then I got to school or work and like I couldn't believe what I was doing, you know, so things like that and, and starting words with, so oh. I think we ought to do this. <laughs> oh, and this is, this is my, uh, my grandson, my nine-year-old grandson. He does this a lot. He says, wait, 
you want me to do this? And I said, why do I have to wait, Tommy? And he always gets a <laughs> laugh at it. So I think I'm subtly teaching him, you know, yes. and again, there's nothing wrong with using all those words. The problem is the repetition. How, how often do we use that? Certainly, exactly. I, don't, I don't hear any CEO saying any of these type words like this. Uh, and they will go out of style, the phrases. I know, right? They'll go out of style, and then there'll be something else. But um, just be aware of, of how you come across. Um, and again, that executive presence. And that doesn't mean you have to be a CEO or anything like that. Even in your business, if you have a small mom-and-pop business, that's great. Yeah. That's what, mine is a small boutique uh, where we help you know, executives and things like that. But I speak professionally. I dress professionally. How you dress right. is very important. You come across as um, confident and, and convincing and all these things. So it's, it's kind of, you're right. It does seem like a lot of little things and nitpicking, but it, it's extremely important when you're on the, the, the public stage trying to get your point across. It truly is. And when this episode airs, I'm going to send it over to one of the universities in Ohio. I did a, um, what am I thinking of? Professional development day two days ago with some of the staff and the faculty. And one of the things that someone brought up was how do we convince these kids that saying like all the time is a bad idea because they think it's okay. And one of my points was, as you said, every generation has had something that is akin to a verbal tick and they it, it maybe bring in some hiring professionals or CEOs to explain to them how it's perceived. So when this episode airs, I'll send it over to them so they can hear you saying it, and then maybe they can play this episode for the students, and it'll be so much better. So they could get schooled, I guess. No, but again, yes. you know, again, too, if, if, if they're talking to their peer group, there's nothing wrong with that. That helps to yes. endear themselves to them. You know, people perceive them as being one of them. Um, but if you're talking to a different audience, even if you're applying for a job and you use those kind of terms, um, the CEO or the hiring manager might say, okay, the young person got it. Uh, but it, it, it could, um, oh, I don't know, what's the word? It could add a little minus sign by you, um, mm -hmm. you know, because you, mm -hmm. you're, you're stepping up. You're supposed to step up now as you're in this, you know, new company or, or whatever it might be. Um, but it, it, we're always on stage, no matter what we're doing, even if we're not on TV or a podcast or radio, whatever it might be, just interacting with someone else they are perceiving us. And that's how your executive presence begins to develop. Um, people notice it. They'll respect you when you come in the room. They'll see how you engage with people, how you look at them, how you shake hands firmly. All of those things are important. That's a great point. I think that is a tremendously good point that we are always in the public eye, so to speak. Mm -hmm. We're always mm -hmm. being measured. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. I'm going to take a quick sponsor break, and then I have some more questions for you. Sure. Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. Audible.com is a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from, and you can listen to them on any device, including whatever you're hearing us on right now. And if you sign up at our link, which is audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, 
you get one free audiobook and a one-month trial of the service. Some examples of books you can listen to on audible.com are Your Oxygen Mask First by Kevin Lawrence and Breeze to Succeed by Sandy Abrams. So visit audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, explore the books that are of interest to you, and receive one free audiobook when you sign up for the trial. Today we're speaking with Steve Koch about successful public speaking tactics. Would you please share some of the biggest mistakes people make in presentations or speeches, like specific things that they, we, (laughs) do. Yeah. Yeah. And none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes and there's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, that endears us to the audience when we make a mistake or we, you know, we, we, we kick ourselves just a little bit, not, not seriously, but we say, Oh man, I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I, it was one of those days I just had a rough day and you share your, your heart. And they begin to realize that you're a real person. To not do that it can make you aloof and standoffish and not connected. So, you know, the, the, one of the big things is to just be yourself. Um, that's, that's one problem that I see quite a bit. They try to be somebody else. You, you, you'll never be uh, an Oprah. You will never be uh, Tony Robbins. So don't try to copy them. You can, what I call model them. That means see what's working for them, what's not working for them. Use some of their techniques perhaps, um, but don't copy them. Uh, So that's important. Another mistake might be um, talking too much. We all want to be helpful. We all want to connect with people. And oftentimes we'll talk too much, uh, especially in in a TV when a reporter is there. Uh, asking questions. Oh, well, we're so helpful. We'll give them all this information. The problem is when the story comes out, if it's a written newspaper uh, article, for instance, the reporter heard so much stuff, he misconnected the different uh, quotes that you had, and you may be misquoted. So those are some major things right away. And then we could get into the nuances that we've talked about already, how you posture yourself, how you hold yourself when you come into the room, uh, moving around the stage respectfully, but not like a robot, not predictably. That's another thing that I see is we, we use the same mannerism over and over and over again. And then it get the audience will watch and say, all right, here he comes again with that movement. There it is there. And all of those things are distractions from your main message. And that's what I want to help erase. Okay. So people actually, their, their focus shifts and they end up missing whatever your message is because they're so busy paying attention to your mannerisms. Correct. Correct. It, it, matter of fact, when somebody's on camera uh, and we're coaching them to go on the Today Show or Good Morning America or, or even a local station in Los Angeles or wherever it might be, uh, for women, we always say do not wear a brooch or a low you know, V-cut uh, dress, uh, anything that can be distracting. Um, you want to avoid big, big dangling earrings. Uh, for for men, it might be a mannerism of how they move their hair out of their eyes or whatever it might be. Anything that's a distraction, get rid of it. Uh, because you want, you know, the whole idea of communicating is to make sure your message is 
is number one, delivered correctly, and number two, interpreted the way you want it to be interpreted. So anything that gets in the way of that needs to be eliminated. This is so great. Last night, I was watching the news, and this woman had earrings on that were so big. Uh They were long. They were dangly. It seemed painfully inappropriate for a newscaster, actually a reporter, Mm -hmm. to be wearing. And I was, I don't think I heard a word she said because I was so focused on her earrings. I under, I'm hearing, I I just experienced exactly what you're talking about last night. Exactly. Perfect. And, and, you know, another thing is to um, dress the part, whatever you're supposed to be. If you, um, if you're a fashion model, uh, sure. Wearing crazy dresses and things like that, that's fine. But if you're in a business situation, wear a business suit or a dress, uh, you know, whatever is in, it is typical for business. Uh, so dress the part, but make sure it, it is not a distraction. That's, that's the main thing. And you, you proved it uh, last night. Who yeah, was, boy, who no was that person? You'll have to let me know and I'll be in touch with him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, exactly. Now I got to go figure out which station she was on and what her name is. Yeah, yeah. Well, she, she may not be there tomorrow. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, she'll be there tomorrow. You got to know the local station. <laughs> I'm not sure they know. The other thing I noticed, so, so this is curious for me. Here's another thing I noticed. One of the stations, the people who are the anchors in the morning, make sure that their clothes are color coordinated. Hmm. It's, you're, it's you're telling me that that is me. the case? Yeah. Yes. I, I've never, you know, that could, that could go uh, down to maybe the station manager uh, wanting to do that, but I've never necessarily heard of that. Uh, right. You know, but we always do dress professionally, but as yeah. far as mod, you know, we do that as a, as a, I'm also a video producer and have been for many years and I will produce TV commercials or business presentations, things like that. And we do sometimes coordinate. I'll have the, uh, the talent, the female or the male talent come in and bring me three or four different uh, wardrobe choices. And so it'll, you know, I can look and see how it looks to the set and to the other individual and we'll find the right color. So, you know, that is a possibility, but for the average person, just wear something that does not distract, but can help make you look as a professional. That's great. Yes, that, that is, I, I just, I love that. Okay. So, if someone has to go and do a presentation, how do they prepare for it? They're going to be doing some sort of public presentation, and I'm, I'm feeling like it, their preparation might be different depending on the medium. Um, yes, yes. For, okay. for instance, uh, your, your, uh, your programs, you will always ask the guest at the end of the program, to, how can you get a hold of Steve if you want to hear more about him? So that's what we call, that's what we call a call to action. And pretty much every presentation has that. Uh, Although if you're on the, the, you know, uh, 60 minute interview, you do want to get across your company message or your point of view. Uh, So that should be important. You really want to make sure that that gets across on stage at the end, you want people to be either inspired or motivated or entertained or go buy my books at the back of the room or whatever it might be. There's always a call to action. So how do we structure that? We start with that, the call to action. But uh, also adjunct to that is I want 
everybody that listens to my presentation, my speech, whatever it might be, I want them to be informed and educated. I want them to walk away from, from this presentation saying, boy, there was a lot of things I can implement. I want to go learn some more about this or that. Not everything, but this or that. So I want to make sure the audience gets what they want. And one of the things that I've I was taught as a, as an anchor, and it was never verbally said to us, but we always knew that we had to keep our message short to the point and always ask what's in it for the viewer. What do you, what are they getting out of it? Are we just up here chattering back, 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 back? No, we want to give them something of value and we want to keep it short and get to the point. We don't have time to talk for hours and hours and hours. So I think that's, if people can, have their communication clear and concise, make it easy for everybody to follow and understand, and for them to act on it should they want to do that. That should be the goal. Fabulous. And when it comes to call to action, talk to me some about how someone goes about doing that. Is it, should it always be at the end? Should it be peppered throughout? Um, it depends on the, on the situation. You don't want to come across as being salesy. So, you know, and if, if I started with, Hey, I have a course, Diane, I'd like for your audience to go buy this at the beginning, <laughs> they feel that they're being pitched at, you know, I want yep. to give them value first. I want to, I want them to come to know, like, and trust me as somebody that knows what I'm talking about. Then if they want to take it to the next level, again, I'm not pushing it then they can go to the end of my, you know, the end of the episode and find out more about me. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily do that, but subliminally, I already did that. If you go back and listen, there will be several times where I said, I do this with my, with my executives. Yeah. So those are little clues that help people to realize, well, maybe I want to be one of his clients to, to do that. So, you know, so that uh, in, in regards to a speech, Again, depending what it's like, you can, you can name drop, oh, you know, we did this or we did this with this person or that person. Um, and they got great benefit from, from my latest book. And I'll tell you more about it at the end. So there are some subtle ways, but again, you don't want to be preachy. You, you want to give people something of value. And then if they're interested, they can find out more about you. Okay. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Because my fear is that some people actually end up being pitchy the whole time. Yes. They, they feel like they're doing a call to action, but it really comes across as this is really just a sales pitch. Yes, yes, yes. But uh, on the other hand, if I gave them great information ahead of time or the individual gave them great information ahead of time, they're going to yeah. walk away from the interview, maybe not do the call of action, but they got some great value out of it. And, and it, that's a win-win for me. Yep. Yes. Okay. I get that. It, it, it's all about, I think, it feels like it's all about at the end of whatever it is, people feel good about you. Yes. Yeah. Well, they should feel good about getting the information they need. Um, but yeah. hopefully also I built up the, the, the no like and trust factor which is important because, right. you know, if I came off as a slime ball, maybe the information is great, but they don't want to do, have anything to do with me. 
you know, right. they, they won't take it to the next step. So again, it's, it's, yeah, getting people to know and like and trust you is, is the big key. And how do you do that? By being genuine, uh, yeah. giving, giving more than you're asking for, um, and, and showing up and being there on time and all of those things all come together. Yes, I, I completely agree with you. Completely. I find that when people focus on that, what's in it for them, more than mm-hmm. what am I going to get out of this, everything about them changes. Their posture changes, their physical being, the way that they engage with whoever it is they're talking to, their comfort level, all of those things change when their focus is on providing value as opposed to getting value. Absolutely. A key point. If people can just remember that aspect of it in anything they do, they will be totally much more successful than if they did not follow that that advice. Yes. Thank you. Mm. That's the point we're trying to get across. Yeah. Well, hopefully we're, hopefully we're doing that in, in a, in a good way, but. Uh, I think we are. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah. so what is the one thing you must do toward the end of your talk? Is it the call to action? It is. Um, it, I, well, what's the most important and what's the, what should you do? I think the call to action is important. Uh, but again, in the giving mode that I'm talking about serving others, it's mm-hmm. being, I'll, I'll be available at the end of this talk. Uh, if you have a question, a particular question, come up. I'd love to meet you. So it's, it's again, making a deeper, oh. it's a deeper meeting, a deeper connection with your audience uh, and them with you. Um, and it still may not mean business for you. That's fine. But at least you're serving, you're, you're going above and beyond uh, and, and talking about their particular situation, which is extremely important to them. And that's great. I'd love to do that. If they, if they buy something from me, great. That's good too. But again, at some point, it, it becomes a win-win, even if it's no business is, is taken care of at that point. Um, yes. Being the servant all the way through. That's really great. Okay. And if I heard that correctly, it's, I'll be around when this is over. If you have something in particular, if you'd like to come up and talk to me, would love to yeah. explore this further. Yeah. And, and that doesn't mean that, you're going to have a, a, you know, a one-on-one for 10 minutes undistracted because there's going to be several people that are going to come up sure. there, but that gives yeah. you the opportunity to give you, uh, give the business card uh, to them and say, Hey, call me back. This is not, you know, we're a little busy right now, but if you want to talk more about it, here's my business card, email me, you know, we'll talk that sort of thing. So you, you, know, you give them ways to connect down the road uh, a little further with them and, and, and continue that conversation. I got it. Okay. And that's part of, as you said, being of service and being genuine Mm -hmm. and making those connections with people. Correct. Correct. Because we, you know, and and that's another whole thing we haven't really even touched on, but uh, a lot of it is connections, people, you know, people that know other people that can refer you networking. That's extremely important. in then in the business world, um, how to get your brand exposed. Other people know and like you, they'll refer to you. Um, it, so it all comes back to you, but networking is very important. I mean, I, I, my success in, in broadcasting 
I met some really high profile people. And I won't say that I copied them, but I certainly modeled them. I, I picked the best of what was, what was great from each of these people. And I, I applied it to my business life. Uh, Ted Turner is my, one of my mentors. Uh, and, and I was with him at CNN in the early days. Uh, but he was just an entrepreneur like no other entrepreneur I've ever seen. He gave me lots and lots of uh, wisdom and insight and credibility, uh, how he interacts with people, his tenacity, uh, his, his drive to succeed, uh, just a lot of things like that that, were, uh, that I modeled from him. So that's how you can continue to build people, uh, uh, relationships with people at the end of a, a speech, for instance. Hey, nice to meet you. Pleasure to meet you. Oh, you're in what business? Great. Let's talk about that sometime. Uh, and, and take it deeper down the road. But, you know, that, that is important is to, to network and connect with people. Okay. I want to ask you about networking. Thank you so much for bringing that up because that is one of those places where we are on and where I think so many people aren't at their best, to put it politely, when they network. If and you know, you and you know talking, why? <laughs> why? Because they're pushing their agenda. Hi, yeah. I'm Steve. I do this. <laughs> this is what I do. I can help you do this, right. this, and this. Here's my elevator speech, uh, pitch, whether you want to hear it or not. And yeah. you know, this coming off, okay, okay, what do you do? Oh, I do this, this, and that. You know, that's, that's, that's a wrong approach. Um, yeah. You know, one of the approaches I've learned through networking is to uh, listen more than you speak. So when yeah. somebody is talking, you're meeting them at a, uh, you know, a luncheon or whatever it might be, uh, find out about what they do uh, and who they know kind of thing and, 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 and be more about them and less about yourself. So that's, that's one tip right there that has helped me tremendously. Um, but Ted Turner was one of those guys. He asked questions all the time, not just of his staff, which we appreciated because we, we gave our input, but he would ask, the taxi cab driver. Uh, he would ask um, other executives in business, uh, what do you think about this? He did all this prior to launching uh, CNN. A couple of years prior, he was asking all these questions and everybody was saying, no, don't do that. It's too expensive and this, this, and this. But he said it's going to work and, he's, and he went with it. So, you know, those are the things. Just network, ask, you'll learn a lot, and you'll be further ahead success-wise than you could ever imagine especially because people will want to keep you around because you aren't talking your wares all the time. Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah. You, 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 you have established yourself as that executive presence that people like, uh, and they want to be around you and they want your opinion at times. So it, it, it does work. Yes. Do you have other examples of, of other real life examples of great communicators? Um, yeah, just off the top of my head, uh, John F. Kennedy, I, I loved his speeches. He was very engaging with the audience. He used hand motions, which, by the way, Bill Clinton mirrored from, from John F. Kennedy. He liked the way he did the hand movement, uh, the three fingers and the thumb on that. Uh, and, and Bill adapted that to his style, Bill Clinton. He was a great communicator as well. Uh, mm -hmm. Ronald Reagan was in a different sense. He was not super polished, but he had the sincerity uh, in his voice. And I think that resonated with a lot of people. Uh, currently, I like Cory Booker. 
uh, his presentation skills. Uh, mm -hmm. He's a senator uh, in the Northeast. I'm not sure where, uh, but he's very good. Uh, he's running for president uh, as we record this here. Uh, and yeah. I've seen many debates. I watch the debates, not because I'm political, but I love to see how these polished people, how polished they are. Or, or ah. not. And I use them as examples when I talk with clients. This person did this, this, and this, right? He could have done better. She could have done better with this. So they're, you know, that, that's why. But I think Cory Booker comes off really well as a public speaker. Uh, and he's got the likability factor. He's almost got the it factor. Uh, perhaps his message needs a little fine tuning and he'll move up in the polls, but uh, he, he does a good presentation. Those are great. Thank you. I agree with you about Cory Booker. Uh -huh. I think he's got a certain level of passion when he speaks, that it's not overly passionate to the point of being evangelical. Mm -hmm. And he's crisp and clear. Yes. Very mm -hmm. articulate. Mm -hmm. And he's mm -hmm. likable. He smiles yeah. and, and he gets his point yeah. across and he does that very well. He's not stumbling or stammering. Uh, mm -hmm. And by the way, all of these politicians have been media trained. They all have. Uh, they're all prepared for possible questions that might come up. So they've, they've worked with someone like myself that will help polish a soundbite, something that comes across as memorable, uh, that, that gets the point across, and, and it really can work for them. And, and that's why I say Cory Booker is one of my current favorites because I, I, could, I could tell he's been media trained because I buy the sound bites that I hear. Uh, and uh, he executes those very, very well. So, um, yeah, good, good job, Cory. Yeah, <laughs> and that's a really good point because some people could think that, and I think maybe with some of them, some of it is just natural. It's a, a natural ability that then they got coached to fine tune. Uh, but I think that's a really great point that anyone who is making a, an impact and a difference is getting coaching, is getting the help mm -hmm. to polish their style so that it hits on all cylinders. Correct. Correct. Mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. Um, I'll give you one more example of a, of a great soundbite. And this is political as well, but this was uh, Ronald Reagan in 1984. He was running for his second term in office, and it was a political debate with Walter Mondale. And uh, Reagan was 73 years old at the time, and a lot of people were saying maybe he's a little too old for this office and that sort of thing. So him and his media trainers and everybody else said, you know, that's going to be an issue, Ronald. we got to get this worked out. Um, you know, what, what are we going to say? So when the time came during the uh, debate, uh, the moderator asked him, you know, some wonder about your age and your suitability for president. What do you have to say about that? And Walter Mondale was probably 20 years younger, so maybe 53 or 55, 60, I'm not sure. But Reagan at 73, his soundbite was, I will not make an age an issue in this campaign. I'm not going to exploit for political purposes my opponent's youth and inexperience. So... <laughs> You laugh, but you listen to it. It is funny, yeah. but yeah. you know what? That settled it. Age was never an issue again in yes. the campaign. Uh, and it was, it was done with taste. It did not put the other person down. Uh, it made Walter Mondale laugh like crazy. 
And it's, it's one example that we still use in uh, media coaching today. Uh, that was a perfect example. And a lot of people think, you know, it's Ronald Reagan. He was a great communicator. He just thought of that. Yeah. No, that was, that was well rehearsed. And he didn't actually, if you look at the video of that, he didn't actually say it really well. But I think no, he that, didn't. You're right. that, that helped to sell it even more. It made yeah. it seem like he was ad-libbing this. Uh, and then he went, to, <laughs> he went for a glass of water at the end because he was smiling and laughing himself. But uh, it, that's a great example. But yeah, everybody is prepared no matter uh, at what stage of business you're at or you know, in the political yeah. arena. Everybody is prepared, or they should be anyway, if they want to compete. Exactly. Thank you so much for this. And speaking of people making sure that they're getting prepared, will you let the listeners please know how they can find you? Oh, sure. Thank you. Uh, MediaTrainingNetwork.com is my website. And that's uh, the best place to get a hold of me. Also, I'd like to uh, invite your listeners to go to my YouTube channel. Uh, just search out my name, Steve Koch, K-O-S-C-H. I have some free media training videos there. But also, too, uh, there's a nice video, uh, kind of a long story, but I'll try to make it short. In 1992, I had the fortunate uh, opportunity to interview Zig Ziglar at CNN while I was there. And we did a whole one hour sit down interview and wow. great information. Zig Ziglar, by the way, is, um, is, is passed on now, but he was a great sales and motivational expert. Uh, and his books are still widely used by salespeople and, and business uh, folks. But yeah. uh, in that interview, he said, failure is an event. It's not a person. Yesterday ended mm. Last night, today, is the first day of the rest of your life. And that kind of advice was just awesome. And you can see that there at uh, my YouTube channel. It's got 58,000 views right now. Uh, but that was one of the best advice that anybody has ever given me. And uh, I say it was the lost Zig Ziglar interview because I used that interview maybe just uh, one soundbite for another program I was doing at the time at CNN called Seeds of Success. Uh, and I put the tapes away and forgot about them. So about three or four years ago, I found this box of tapes in my garage, pulled them out, listened to them. I sent copies to the Zig Ziglar family, which they were just all thrilled with that. And then I said, I'm going to put this on YouTube. And, and so far, lots and lots of people have enjoyed it. So I hope you too uh, will enjoy it. A great inspiration. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, that's wonderful. Thank you for that. And thank you for spending some time with me and sharing uh, these awesome tips and ideas. I think this is so very important. And one of the things that I am taking away from this is that it goes beyond if you're on a stage or if you're on TV being interviewed or on a podcast, it really has to do with how do you show up? How do you make sure that you're presenting yourself in the best? possible way. So. And, and always serving your audience. If you have yeah. that mindset, you'll do wonders. Exactly. Terrific. Thank you. And listeners, thank you for tuning in. This is one of those episodes I think you're going to listen to a couple of times and go to the YouTube channel. Look for Steve on YouTube and, and watch those videos. I think that'll be tremendous as well. And I'd like to thank our sponsor, audible.com. To get your free trial of audible.com as well as a free audiobook, go to audibletrial.com/businessgrowth to sign up. 
As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I've never done it. (laughs) I know, right.